You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. If you weren't here last week, I started a message that I want to bring the second part to. And uh, I entitled it, Creating uh, a Miracle Moment. Uh, When you discover that God is for you and God desires to do life with you, you also begin to dream differently. You begin to realize that you are not just bound by your human limitation and the scope of your tomorrow is just not according to the gifts that you have, but that God is able to do miracle things. And sometimes we see miracles happening around us, but we, if we're honest, go, you know, I don't see a lot of the miraculous in my own life. And even this facility today is an absolute miracle that God has strung together. We're going to have a look in a few moments at a video that we showed on the dedication night of how it came together. But in the middle of this miracle, I'm going, God, so what are you saying? And what are you wanting from me as an individual? Not as the pastor of life, but as an individual. And it's kind of like keep creating miracle moments. Keep being somebody that trusts that God is able and God is willing to do the impossible. Uh, We saw last week how Hebrews 11 talks of men and women just like you and I that were put on the list of great faith achievers. Men and women that worked where you work that have been through what you've been through that because of their faith created. What wasn't created Ones that overcame what seemed impossible to overcome. Ones that opened the door to literal miracles. Ones that denied death. Ones that literally were able to fulfill their heavenly mandate. And my question last week and again this week is if you love God and God is with you, are you on the list? Would heaven describe you as someone that is creating miracle moments? Are you literally embracing faith like Jesus taught and stepping out into the unknown. I've realized as I look back over my life that God gives you a dream and with the dream comes a seed. If you just focus on the seed, you'll almost give up every time. And then you begin to have confidence in the seed and so you plant the seed and think the miracle's gonna happen only to realize it doesn't happen. But the seed grows and matures into a plant. And then the plant, if you stay faithful, then has more seed. So now you don't just have one seed, you have many seeds. And then you need to plant the seeds again and more trees grow and more seeds come and more trees grow and more seeds are planted and then a harvest of a whole forest stands before you. And a miracle moment is not something that just happens in an instant. It has a whole course of commitment. Last week we saw that to create a miracle moment, we need to realize that the miraculous germinates first and foremostly with a a possibility focus. I want to stir you up. I'm having you on. You're the 11 o'clockers, so you're sleeping a little longer. No, but are you the kind of person, if you've really met Jesus, where you're alive with possibility? Seriously, I meet so many aged Christians. It's like, man, what, what went down? You've lost the sparkle. I tell you what went down. They moved away from the source because they allowed the situation 
to dictate to them. But I want to encourage you, and I'm not going to re-preach last week. You can go online. But if you want to create a miracle moment, realize miracles germinate with possibility focus. Begin to dream a bit this Christmas. Begin to share with your spouse what your marriage is going to look like. Come on, share with your family where we're going to go and what we're going to do for God and and go into your workplace next year and go, you know what, we're not going to have a same old, same old year. Oh man, I'm going to really work hard in this service. See, you can have faith for salvation, but what about faith for purpose? Well, what is God going to do through all of this? I'll tell you what's going to happen. I don't know when. But somewhere, the church is going to again emerge the center, the cornerstone of society. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And you go, yeah, but I've never seen it. You ain't seen much because you aren't looking. Oh, I'm stirred up today. So if you never come back again, that's okay. Marie always tells me off when I say things like that. She says, you shouldn't say things like that. So I just keep saying them. (laughs) Come on. The miraculous germinates in a possibility focus. Secondly, we saw how the miraculous flows through prepared people. God is looking to commission you. You can be called but not commissioned. Many are called but few are chosen. I've come to realize that God is looking to how we respond and the challenges he presents to see whether we can carry the next level of the miraculous. And sometimes we don't pass the test and we think it's all going to happen just automatically. No, God is going to put us in testing zones to see if we're ready for what we're asking. Many people say to me, why why, why don't we as the church see more? Why don't Christians see more of the miraculous? I said, because they haven't been faithful with the less. The third thing, the miraculous requires active obedience. So you can hear and God could say, hey, I want you to go left. And you go, doesn't feel comfortable. I'm not sure that I'd want to do that. I want to go right. And God says, go left. Hey, Jonah, go to Tarshish. No, no, I don't want to go there. I know there are wicked people, but if I tell them that you're going to consume them, they'll repent and you won't consume them. So I'm not going to do it. Ended up in the belly of a whale or a fish. It's an amazing story, but God is saying you, you want to create a miracle moment. You're going to have to dream like you've never dreamed before. Secondly, you are going to have to go through the preparation and the positioning and the readiness so that God can entrust you with something more. Thirdly, you're going to have to be obedient when it doesn't fit. Christianity is not about an easy road. Jesus says it's a narrow road. You want to keep going left and right or you want to go left and God says go right, even though he's just doing it to check that you can be obedient when you don't agree. So that when you have the breakthrough, you're ready to go with what he wants to do with it. Come on, belief and obedience are two different things. A lot of Christians don't obey because it's not that comfortable. And then they don't understand why they don't get a breakthrough miraculously. The fourth, and maybe this is the one I want to touch on today, which I think is maybe more of a challenge than the others, is that the miraculous is surrounded with relentless trust. (laughs) What I mean by that is there has to be a decision that I'm going to trust God no matter what. I'm going to be relentless in my trust. It's, It's kind of, it's easy when you see the miracle, people turn up and go, wow, this is amazing. Look at what God's done. But the process is not always the way we thought it would be. And I wonder if today 
God's got you here because he's saying, you've stopped trusting me. And there are valid reasons naturally sometimes why we stop trusting God. But God wants us to come back and say, would you be somebody that is relentless in your trust? By the way, the word relentless means that you're going to be persistent, continual, unbroken, unstoppable, perpetual. You got far from a perfect pastor, I often say that. But one thing is, still standing here 59 years on. I know you can't believe I'm that old. 27 years ago, we started life, and man, it's like, where are you, God? And this isn't happening, and that's not happening. And yet we've just made a decision that God is God. You've heard the story. I was a teenager sitting in a service and heard somebody preaching. Couldn't tell you what they were preaching on, but I thought, well, either God is God or He's not. And if He is, let's just decide to trust Him. And all these years later, I can trust God. I'm going to trust God. There's other things I can't trust. Come on but I can trust him. And the miraculous is surrounded with this, un, or this relentless trust, this unbroken trust, this ability just to stand in that place. And this morning I felt it would be good. We had it at our dedication service, but to show you the video of the events that led into this building being what it is today, because there was every excuse to give up. But if we don't embrace relentless trust, we don't see the miracle. Let's have a look at the screen. It was late 2012. We, just in the mail, got a notice, compulsory acquisition by Auckland Transport to create the central rail loop. We need your property. Straight away, that thought of, wow, wow. But wow, this could be amazing. Uh, could this be the plan? I remember exactly what was going on in my mind. I was thinking, woohoo, we're getting out of this building. But no, seriously, the building was old. And not just old, but we've outgrown it. 18th of December 2012, that actually was our very first meeting with Auckland Transport to actually dialogue with them about what is this notice and what does it mean and you know what are you going to give us and that meeting was um, actually turned out to be quite disappointing basically just said we'll agree on what the market value is and write you out a check and and we'll take your property thanks very much we walked out of that saying well no way there's no way we were going to agree to that we we number one we need you know just finding a replacement property in central Auckland how hard is that going to be? Number number two, um, you know, the cost to not only find a replacement property, but then to adapt it and renovate it and or, or build from scratch something that we need. Number three, we actually we need something a whole lot bigger than what we what we've currently got. So it's, it's going to take a whole lot of finance. So we're not going to accept a check, uh, you know, for the market value, and and that started a whole three-year negotiation process with Auckland Transport. It's hard when things don't happen straight away when you want them to happen, you know, that's with anything in life. But, but in terms of the building, it was just like, okay, God, we trust you and we need you. This, is, this has to be you. You had your ups and downs all the time because kind of you'd hear one thing one day and you think, oh, 
we could get reinstatement. Uh, then you would have the opposite, and it's like, well, there is no way that's going to happen. And then we're going, well, how will we ever step into the new level that we're believing for? And you had to guard your spirit of going, well, is this man-made or is this a God opportunity? Did, did God ultimately see uh, what we needed? And you had to keep coming back to that. Through the negotiation period, Auckland Transport sort of came on board and said, hey, eventually decided, hey, we'll help you look for some possible sites. And then um, May 2014, all of a sudden out of the blue, the big site was up for tender. I called Paul and said, the site's coming to market. This is the one we want. I don't know if you can get your skates on in time, but this is the one we want. So if you took out an aerial map of Auckland, it was the only place we should have been going. So we organised a visit, Pastor Paul and I started walking through it. And straight away, all of those kind of development potential juices started running. Uh, maybe we could lift that, maybe we could use some of that, and then we could develop that. But even though there was nothing natural, you could go to the bank on. So I think we went through the tender process. We felt like we pitched it at a fair and above fair. Uh, only to discover at that point that uh, Auckland Grammar, which is above that site, looking for land, had won the tender. You go from a high of we found something and it's for sale to how did that happen? Why did someone else take it out from under our feet? I often think it's like Peter, it's like, well, he sank but God was there. And it was kind of, this has to be God now because even with all of our energy, expertise, uh, this has to be more than us couple of months went by. Then, out of the blue, uh, one night Josh rang me and said, hey, I think, I think um, Auckland Grammar aren't going to make it. I don't think they're going to go unconditional in time. And the advice I gave Paul at the time, if I recall correctly, was get yourself in a position, be ready, be able to move swiftly. So I was actually overseas working around the clock, visiting churches by day, and at night on the phone, lawyers, bankers and agents trying to trying to get this deal together, which just somehow the grace of God, we managed to convince Bert to take us on and we got the deal done. I've been in the commercial property industry for 16 years. Um, I never come across the kind of miracles from a transactional basis that I have had in doing property with life. The next sort of miracle was they were actually looking at the site right next door, owned by council, to use as a land swap with us. All of a sudden it started to dawn on us, hey, this could be incredible. If we could get both sides, this would set us up for, for generations. The likelihood of being able to find two large flat sites side by side that can be joined, uh, yeah, nearly impossible. Since mid-2015, we'd been working with Council for a pre-submission meeting as part of the mediation, drawing up plans. So you submit what your proposal is to Council. They will spend a period of time, two, three, four weeks, putting it through all of the various areas within their, all their departments, traffic, urban design, uh, effects, and all that kind of stuff. Then you'll go and have a pre-app meeting with them to which you could probably say the feedback was um, quite overwhelmingly not supportive of what was proposed. They said, not on our watch, 
are you building a church this close to the CBD? Not going to happen. I think uh, in their view the land should have been utilised and maximised for apartments. Straight away we had some strategy meetings where we all got in around the table and just tried to find an avenue through the process for how we could get the outcome that was required. And to be honest, a lot of it was probably driven by the board and Pastor Paul Marie. Four years into the journey, uh, we'd really, we'd, we'd resolved the negotiation with Auckland Transport, come out with an amazing result where we effectively, we swapped our Mount Eden site for land, two sites, three times the size in Normanby Road. So we were, in a, we were in a great space and we were, I think it was late 2016, we were just trying to just trying to lock the, the bank down on exactly how much will you lend us to do this build. And then uh, one Friday, I remember it very vividly, our account manager came in and he just sort of looked a bit, um, a little bit sheepish and um, you know, he, was, he was coming in to tell us exactly what's the amount they could lend us. And he sat down and he said, uh, basically, the bank doesn't support this project. And uh, I just couldn't believe it. It was like I'd been punched in the gut, so I was speechless. I just couldn't. So, no, there must be an amount. I, I, you may not be the full amount that we know. The answer was, we're out. What's going to happen now? We're over the line. But I'll never forget for myself, uh, being reminded of David McCracken's prophecy that I think it was in 2014 where he actually said that we would live on the creative edge of faith and uh, that it was the scary part of faith. And definitely there were those moments where those prophetic words just kicked in. God's opened this door. So if this bank says no, and it would seem like there's no other bank that's gonna do it, there is an answer. So we've got to keep walking and knock on every door. It was really through the relationships, the purchase of Manukau and the, and the, the build for Life South that um, we struck up a great relationship with James Palmer and Christian Savings. And they came fully to the party and said, we're 100% and we managed to get BNZ to come on board. Prayer changes the spiritual climate of things that we don't see. Jesus said to the disciples, there are some things that just take prayer and fasting. You, you can't do this in your own strength. You can't work this out. You can't, you know, use your skills. It's, it's gonna take more. You know, there are a number of times that we were in the offices till four or five a.m. reprinting two and a half, 3,000 pages of documents just to get it in. We had to because we were need to start on site. But uh, to see that turn around, and I still can't, tell you how it happened, but for the council at the end to allow a non-notified resource consent, uh, it, it's nothing short of miraculous. How do you get two sites next door to each other in Auckland City, such prime land? How do you get them together? So it's across the road from a large vacant office building that has 750 car parks available to us on Sunday at the same time. How do you get the funding? in a time where all the banks were shutting down. Like, how do you get a contractor who's got space in their diary, who can pull together all the resource in such an incredibly full-on construction market where there's no resource available, and how do you deliver on time? I would challenge anyone to, <laughs> to, to, to deny 
the miracle in all of that. I just saw this huge auditorium full of people, arms raised, worshipping God, people finding God for the very first time. And it's that, um, it's that thought that's just been in my mind. I just have my spirit, the prophetic word that was spoken over the church about, from Michael Maiden about he sees people lined up waiting to get in and when they get inside, heaven's going to be waiting for them. It's a building, but it's a building to house the presence of God. And the presence of God is just going to touch hearts and say there is a God that can meet us where we're at and do miracles. Uh, and to see how many people have already stepped up and said this is going to be part of our legacy. And I believe that miracle is still in the process. There are many that will join the team. But the faithfulness of so many who have said this is not about a building. This is about creating a vehicle through which God can massively impact a city and nation and further afield. I've always believed it's not about what we achieve, it's about what happens through what we say yes to. sure about you but that lifts my faith I want you to hear my heart this morning God's called us to live lives that create miraculous moments and everything about the enemy wants to downsize your dream and make sure that you don't go through the preparation focus that you choose convenience over obedience and then this thought of the miraculous is surrounded with relentless trust. It's as simple as coming to a point where you just make a decision, I choose to trust. Trust for me is not a feeling, it's a decision. It's something that I have the ability to make and to zone in on. You know, Jesus with the disciples had just seen an incredible miracle take place. They fed somewhere in the vicinity of uh, 20,000 people, 5,000 men with just five loaves and two fish. And it was a phenomenal miracle. And Jesus says to the 12, jump into the boat. I want you to go to the other side of the lake. And Jesus sent them on the boat and they were obedient. He himself, Matthew 14 says that he went up and he began to pray. He was alone with God. During the night on the boat, the wind came up and fear gripped the heart of God's disciples. And they were so fearful, thinking they were going to die. They were hanging on and desperate. And Jesus, in the early, early morning, walked towards them. They thought he was a ghost. But one disciple, Peter, said, Lord, is that you? If, if it's you, would you ask me to come? Jesus said, come. I've often thought we're going to shift from just waiting to see what God will do to making a decision we're going to live a life in the miraculous zone. And so he walks to Jesus, but then he himself is gripped by fear because of the waves. There was the wind, and now there was the waves. 
took his eyes of Jesus, beginning to seek, Jesus lifts him. And I'm sure that Peter felt very much alone because he found himself just one. Where were the others? Where were the other 12? And I began to think about that and I thought, it's true to live with this absolute commitment to trusting God. Having an unrelenting trust, you're going to go through three things. The first is God's going to give you a word, but with the word comes the wind. You get a word from God and you say, all right, God, you you want to take me? In fact, verse 23 of Matthew 14, when the evening it came, Jesus was alone there. He was praying. But the boat with the disciples was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. You see, I've realized in my own life that to trust God, I'm going to have to face the wind. With the word comes the wind. And of course, the wind reveals to all of us that when you say yes to God, there's going to be supernatural opposition. And to see the miraculous is you can't beat the miraculous. Oh, sorry, you can't beat supernatural opposition with your own gift and strength and talent. That's where prayer comes in. That's where, come on, those divine connections. That's where you're speaking the language of the Holy Spirit. I hope some of us still do that. That's where we begin to go, God, and God, you called me on this mission. You said, go to the other side. I didn't think wind was going to come because you called me. Though with his word comes the wind. And the enemy says, focus on the wind. No, focus on the word. And begin to tell the devil, you can bring the wind, but you can't sink the boat. And every time you take a step for the things of God, you're going to face the wind. You're going to face that opposition. We're going to choose. Are we going to live our Christian lives just out of our natural operating system or a supernatural one? Come on, are we going to start our days with touching heaven? Are we in the middle of the storm going to look to him or keep focused on the storm? I reckon God allows the wind to come with the wind because he wants to teach us that faith Demands requires a personal and a fresh encounter. It's like, it's not actually about the miracle that God's concerned. It's about what we learn through it. And I am thankful that God is a God that's taught me. Every time you say yes to what I'm asking you to do, there's a storm coming. But you don't have to fight the storm naturally. You fight it supernaturally. Don't get so worried about what's happening in our world and thinking, man, this planet's going down the gurgler. I tell you, we've got supernatural connection. God is going to have the last say. God is going to do what he said he would do. I love verse 28. Peter answered in the middle of the storm and said, Lord, if it's you, would you bid me to come? And of course, as I said, Jesus said, come. Not only did Peter have to face the wind and the supernatural opposition, but he had to face the water. This is the way I see it, that water was never created to be walked on. And yet we all want to walk on water. God created water so you couldn't walk on it, but that it would teach you that water represents natural challenge. When you trust God, it's not just everything spiritual, there's just natural stuff. When we're building this building, there's natural stuff. There's banks that just say, no, it's not all supernatural. Some of it's just natural and you just got to get up. 
And you just got to go, I'm trusting the God that gave the Word. And with the Word comes the wind and with the water comes the fact that we get wet. Oh, I took a step for God and everything turned to custard and I got wet. I thought I was going to be dry. Just wake up to the reality of natural challenge. Come on, let's get some backbone as Christians in society. Let's have a a sense that we're running. We're going to pay the price to cross the finish line that God has for us to cross. So natural challenge, God allows because it creates divine resilience. Some of us gave up because we kind of grazed a knee and we felt some pain. I think from God's perspective, trust has greater value than the miracle itself. Because when you trust, when everything natural says no, when the bank manager comes and says, it'll never happen, when the council says it's not on our watch, come on, we've got to then embark the creative edge of faith and go, no, no, we are more than conquerors. Through Christ, He gave the Word, and with the Word comes the wind, and with the Word comes the water, and the waves are contrary. And, you know, I would say as a popper in the faith now, too many Christians are still surround themselves with their own reliance. And I'd put it like this. This may upset a few, but that's okay. God-reliance and self-reliance are utterly incompatible. You can't have a little bit of self and expect to have full God. You just got to keep on walking when God said, come. You got to get up again. Come on, some of us should be getting excited. That God's saying, I see that you struggled because you got a little wet and you got a little bit of fear, but I'm telling you, you've got to step up through this. That's why Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8, we are troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. <laughs> we are perplexed, but not in despair. Yes, right now we are persecuted, but not forsaken. Yes, we're cast down, but we are not destroyed. Oh, come on, I need to preach you guys noisy. It's like, yeah, we go through the crap. Can I say that? Yeah, we go through the fire. Yeah, as a Christian, don't expect an easy ride. Wind will come and water will slap us. But I love this thought. Not only do we have to face the wind and the water, but we've got to face the weight. Here's the thought, trust carries the weight of isolation. Think about it. God says, come on. So you go, you're excited, you got a word from God. Then all of a sudden you're in the waves and you look around, nobody else is there. Can I be really honest? At times, I felt like nobody else is there. Hundreds of people that say, we're with you all the way. Where are they? Oh, they're still in the boat. They said they heard God, but they didn't want to leave the security of what they could control. It's like the miraculous is for those of us that are going, if God says, come, I come. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. All of heaven is with him, but boy, was he alone. He said to the boys, would would some of you just come? All of hell is coming on me. All of sin of humanity is going to rest on me. Would you just pray with me, boys? Yet they slept and he 
carried the weight of isolation. Feel alone? It's a part of a relentless trust. Elijah, after taking the prophets of Baal on, feels so much alone. Peter felt so much alone. Here's Jesus, even in the story, alone. The weight of isolation. Not just the weight, but the weight. Where is it, God? Hebrews 11, as I said, many of them never saw it in their lifetime. I wonder if we'd have as much faith if we never see the outcome. But we know we're creating a miraculous moment. Come on, I'm telling you again, God will have the last say on planet Earth. God is looking for a generation that are going to rise up past the security of the boat and the convenience of what they know it can control and come to a point where the miraculous will begin to take shape. You know, I believe you can only have a relentless trust when you bring oxygen into your faith. You know, people can have a word from God years ago, but you've lost its ability to live. Your blood carries oxygen to your whole body. And I want to encourage you, let's get back close to God and get the revelation that we carried to breathe again. And let's begin to stand for what God gave us years ago. I'm telling you, your life is not over. God is looking for men and women that can trust Him. Getting something out of this? Let me give you this thought. You know how I work with thoughts. I really believe God said this to me. Paul, if you can trust me, then I can entrust you. That's not just for a pastor. That's for a dad. That's for a mum. That's for a child. That's for a teenager. That's for somebody that feels like they've stuffed up. Would you trust me again? Come on, you woke this morning. There was oxygen for you to breathe in the atmosphere. You can trust the God that created that oxygen. Come on, I can trust the God that keeps the sun in the right orbit. Will you trust me? Because if you can trust me, I can entrust you with a new level of the miraculous. It's funny, isn't it? We grow older and our trust subsides. We've got three grandkids. Ruby is five. I remember when she was born, we had a lot of time we still do with her. As a little wee kid that knew nothing, just had full trust. Would jump into Papa's arms, but at the age of five, she looks at the gap and then makes a rational decision. But we've got little Cruz, he's a boy and he hasn't lived that much life. And he just steps off. Look at me. God wants you to create miracle moments. But it's going to require a bigger dream than you've currently got. It's going to require preparation so God can choose you. It's going to require obedience and it's going to require trust. Because the day you trust Him, it's like, well, the bank manager says no, as I said, but we'll find another way. Because with the Word comes the wind comes the waves, come on the water, and comes the weight. And if you feel isolated, don't give up, because in that place is where God meets you, and a miracle is born.
We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.